we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another crazy interview of awesomeness because, well, we have Michael Brent Cullings with us. <laughs> so I will forewarn you now, there could be some weirdness. We're going to talk about random crap that nobody really understands because it's inside jokes. Yes, it is inside jokes. <laughs> and if you've listened to every other episode he's been on, then you will understand every inside joke. And even if you don't understand the jokes, then that's okay because it's still going to wor- work out and be awesome. So I, I'm still hilarious. Yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is, is there is a gold statue that yeah. is sitting on your mantle. I know, I'm s- and it's it's straight up in a place of honor. It really <laughs> Which is. Which is awesome. My wife keeps trying to move it when company <laughs> comes over because it's this gold Buddha that's just sitting out in the <laughs> middle of everything. And it, not like we have any religious reasons against it, but it's, she's just like, it doesn't fit the decor. And I'm like, no, but that, that needs to stay. <laughs> I tried to find a baby, but they just <laughs> didn't have any golden babies. No, I would think... Gold-plated baby statues is a really niche market. Yes. <laughs> so that was the closest I could get. He looks kind of babyish. Yeah, he totally know? does. He's got the Most baby belly. Yeah, the, the, the belly, the, the chubby cheeks, yep. you know, the, the thunder thighs. Totally. And, yeah, no, I knew worked. exactly what it was yes. when I got it. Uh, so those that don't know, uh, very first meeting, uh, you described how you wanted your body to be found in, yep. in the future, which is have a statue of a golden baby shoved up your rectum yeah not because i okay just to clarify for <laughs> new the, the new folks i'm not in anything weird i was just like when i die i want like a friend to sneak in ahead of the medical examiner and just shove a gold baby up my butt just to give the csi people like something to think about yes. you know so that and daniel didn't know me because we've been friends for years now but that was our first interaction and i could see him being like what just <laughs> happened <laughs> It was actually very interesting. <laughs> I had to bite my tongue. But hey, now it's become a joke. And it's now good radio. Now there's a statue on your mantle. It's good radio. Because of that, uh, <laughs> from the years of, uh, of friendship. Uh, so those of you that had, I'll, I'll wind back. Those of you that have never heard of Michael Brent Collings, he's a renowned author of awesomeness. Um, more books than I can count. Uh, That's low, though. I know. You always get hung up around three. Okay, yes, it is true. <laughs> you know, it's like one, two, three, two, three, yep. eight, three. You can't yeah. be expected to know everything. No, I can't. <laughs> you know, that's why I have an abacus. That's right. Syrian <laughs> and abacus is all I need. Yes, Siri directs me where I need to go. The abacus tells me how to do math. <laughs> uh, yes. So, yeah, so, yes, I've written about, I think I've written, I think I passed 40 books now. That's amazing. Yeah, and th- people are buying really them, which is. makes me happy. It's even better. Yeah, um, to sell books and and you mainly write horror, but you have written fantasy mm-hmm. and other genres. Yeah, I uh, horror is like my home base. Um, I understand it really well because I grew up in a house that my dad was a was a critic, a professional critic of mm-hmm. horror, um, like an academic who who dissected it. So I understand it fundamentally. Um, but I like to wander around, and I've been blessed with a fan base that's willing to read other stuff yes. um, as long as it has my name on it. But they do get upset if I go too long without a scary thing happening. Nice. So when it comes to you writing horror, what are the kind of the things that you find that you are sneaking back in? Because you know, sometimes we, with other authors we see a, a theme or maybe a character or something. What is something that you kind of sneak back in that says, this is my s- stamp, uh, that oh. is me? Well, I have one thing that I do. It's more of a stylistic thing because I try really hard not to repeat stories and not to repeat themes. Okay. Um, but I do have a stylistic thing. I will describe things 
Yeah, I do third-person limited narratives. Mm -hmm. So it's from the perspective of one of the characters. And um, I will be describing something, and then there will be a break where his thoughts are interjected or uh -huh. her thoughts are interjected. So it's like, look at the tree. The tree, I noticed the tree that was so interested, interesting. And then there's a sudden break where the person has a panic attack or something. Okay. Um, and it sounds odd, but it formats really easy to read. And it kind of reflects how we really tell stories because when was the last time that you got through a whole story with your friend without jumping sideways on, oh my gosh, look at the shiny thing. Okay, oh yeah. let's, let, let's get back to this. And when we're panicked or scared, which people tend to be in a horror movie, that kind of cohesion of thought breaks down even further. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of fun to do. It adds a little touch of realism. It's a little different. And it's a challenge because instead of just having one linear sort of storytelling moment, you're melding two in a way that you can keep both of them making sense. Yeah. No, I mean, the breakdown of thought makes sense. I mean, horror movies, I've always wondered, why the crap do you run in the basement or upstairs? Right. Why don't you run to the garage, jump in the car, and drive away? Or better yet, run to the, you know, the room where the gun is. Yeah. Instead, no, you run up stairs where you can't really escape or into the basement which is even worse and that's but we do that and you know what's funny because like i'm the same way i'm why would you do that but when we were first married my wife and i we had our house broken into mm -hmm. and we were in bed when it happened and we hear, heard noises and what did i do i went down looking i mean there was noises that there was no way you could say that's just something shifting yeah and instead of just calling 911 what do we do we're like we're afraid to relinquish control. I don't want to call 911 and just say I'm hearing noises. So I'm going to go right into the danger. And I did it in the stupidest manly way. I'm like, you stay here, honey, where it's safe. You know, we were just a freaking horror movie trope. And we got lucky. They had already left. There was like splintered locks and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I did exactly the thing that we all mock. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a real kind of a respect for we do those stupid things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's even acceptable in a horror movie as long as a stupid person consistently. What we get upset as really is where a person who's been rational and thoughtful and careful and then turns into a moron for oh plot gosh. reasons. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some people are just stupid. And we have that in stories as well. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but, like, there's people who make bad choices consistently. Oh yeah. So that person can make the bad choice. But if your hero does it, for no other reason than because I, the author, need him upstairs. That's, I think audiences sense that. They're yeah. like, this author couldn't figure out a good way to do it, so he just bent the rules for a second. And forced them up there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's frustrating when that happens. Because you can definitely, it seems like that's, in that moment, it pulls you out of the story. Oh, it totally like, what? does. What the heck that had just happened? But I can testify, <laughs> you would do the same thing. I mean, like, yeah. it's a human reaction. Like, um... I've been in therapy and stuff because I'm mentally unstable. I'm very open about it. Um, I have some severe mental difficulties. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to the therapist. And he's like, one of the weird things that happens is as soon as emotion gets involved, you lose 50% of your language skills. Oh, yeah. And as soon as fear or terror hits, you lose 100% of your language skills. Yeah. And your thinking on any level but fight or flight is completely yeah. incapacitated. So, yeah, you're watching all these people act like dunderheads in movies, and that's probably the most realistic moment that happens in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, now that you talk about that, you're right, because it's kind of that hijacked brain. Yeah. You know, you, that your survival instincts kick in, and all rational thought kind of totally. go up. Totally, yeah. So, and, you know, I, I do remember uh, a couple years back, you know, 
waking up in the middle of the night um, because our garage door was opening mm-hmm. and closing. Like, what the heck's going on? Um, and I do remember kind of doing something similar to like, okay, I'm going to go downstairs. Yeah. You know, I don't own any guns, so I grab a samurai sword. Uh, <laughs> it's the second best thing. Which I'm just like, I mean, afterwards, I'm like, what happened with the head of a gun? Well, I, well, I brought a knife to a gunfight. And even if they much. didn't, it's like, what am I going to do? Chop their head off? Yeah. Threaten them with the sword? Yeah. Don't come towards me. Yeah. yeah. I'll cut you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> luckily, you know, nothing was, it was, our, our door was malfunctioning, but it was, you know, that similar situation. We make those bad choices. We really yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, luckily, you know, my ex was calling the police and, right. you know. She's I, making the wise choice. She was choice. doing the, the, the thing, but. Um, no, we're, you know, humans are dumb. Yeah. But the thing is, I, it's funny because people do that run up the mm-hmm. up the staircase thing. They go, it's so unrealistic. And it's funny for me because as an author, you know, I live in this world. This is my full-time job. And I know, really, people say they want realistic, but they don't. Yeah. They want pretense mm-hmm. with – they want a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. They want something wearing realistic. We just almost got run over by a horde of trams. That was super interesting. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so we don't really want realism in our fiction. Mm-hmm. We want something that pretends to be realism. But, I mean, if fiction was real, it would be an 800-page book, most of which is bitching about inc- inconsequentials and the rest of which is sleeping or pooping. I mean, that's like most of our lives, really. So we want the exciting bits. And yeah. sometimes the exciting bits are an idiot running up the stairs. <laughs> no, I, I see that, which is probably why Twilight drives me nuts, that, that book, because there's so many... Uh, yes, I've read it. Uh, unfortunately, I c- <laughs> will admit that. But there's this, like, this huge chunk where she's just bemoaning her yeah. life. Yeah. And it's just her complaining over and over and over. And it's like, uh, just shut up. Yeah. Move and to the next part. And that's probably realistic, though. No, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. that is the friend that you avoid in high school I because mean, they broke up, and you're just like, Claire, get over it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. She. I mean, she's what, 14 or 15 in that book, and so yeah, that's probably a normal teenager thought process. Yep. But, um, and teenage girls ate it up. Yes. Yes, they did because, well. They could relate to it. They can relate to it, and you have guys walking around shirtless. Um, I know in my high school, every threesome was one girl who thought she was ugly but was gorgeous and two super hot guys. That's just how people walked around in my high school. Wow. <laughs> I was at the wrong high school, apparently. <laughs> you were you like You were probably like one of those Hollywood movie high schools. You should have seen my abs back then. It was uh, astounding. I was a beanpole. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, high For school. those of you who can't, who don't know what I look like, I am not pretty, so I'm very tongue-in-cheeking right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was I was a beanpole, yeah. Um, maybe 100 pounds if I was soaking wet. Yep. Bright red hair, you know. Yeah. And that's going to get picked on. That was amazing. Yeah, I got picked on a lot. But... Um, you know, with with horror stories, you've kind of gone a little bit of everywhere. I mean, you've done an ocean horror book. Mm-hmm. You've the done the savan- out in the wildlands of Savannah with crazy hyenas, hyenas. which still give me nightmares. Um, thanks for putting that one in there because I then went to s- look at the videos They're to so see if up. this is really true. Hyenas are the worst. And now I have ever those created. mental pictures in my head. Yeah. It was bad enough. I had the words. Now I have the videos. Yep. Um, so. Where are you going next? Um, next, I have, I did a fun thing. I really enjoyed Well, I hope it turns out as fun for everybody else. But um, I wrote a book, and it's one of the few that I'll write. I wrote a trigger warning in the beginning because it's a group of, a group of armed men 
who come in and take over a private high school. Okay. And are not shy about hurting kids. So All if you right. don't like kids in jeopardy or kids getting hurt. Man, you just up the ante on yeah, that Yeah, don't tune in on this one. Um, but I wrote it as a true crime book, actually. So there's okay. an author's introduction by me. And then there's a whole new title page that starts the crime book. Wow. Written by a reporter who was covering the events that happened at Reina High School, this huh. fictional high school. Um, so it's written as a true crime. And it is, I don't do graphic violence for no purpose. Yeah. If there's a violent part, I don't tend to like wax poetic on it. And if I do, it's because there's something important about that mm-hmm. moment. And, um, and so the person who is in charge of these men who are taking over the, the high school, he has some very specific reasons for doing it. He has some very specific reasons for choosing the kids he does and the detective in charge, you know, because one of the first things this bad guy does is actually send a video file to the police that's timestamped and dated that shows the high school and him blowing the heads off two of the teachers. So he calls the police and the whole thing is he wants an audience. Um, And hopefully by the end of the book, I, I hope people will be asking some questions about some of their assumptions about things because there's some real world stuff that, that is talked about in this book. And in no way am I saying like, make your point by armed violence or by taking over a school or anything like that. Um, But we can do things in fiction that we would never dream of in reality uh, for the purpose of entertaining and hopefully making people think. Wow. That sounds like an intense book. Hopefully. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, Growing up, I never s- ever thought of that happening, mm-hmm. obviously. Oh, Going to school, that was never. And then Columbine happened, and, then yep. and then now it's like this thing everyone's worried about. And My kids are terrified happen. of going to school because of it. Yeah. And so it's just, it's weird. Um, but it is scary. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, as a parent, to have that happen, your kids are stuck in a school with yeah. someone like that, and you are completely powerless. And, you're yeah, as a parent, you want to run in. They won't even let you near it for drills. Yeah. You know, they... In, uh, in our school district, sometimes they'll send out a, you know, a mass email or a text saying we're running one of these drills. Yeah. And I know, first of all, my kids are going to come home wrecked because there's people that pretend to be the bad guy and knock on the door real hard and stuff. And oh, they're wow. learning how to stay quiet. And and that is horrifying in itself. I think sometimes, you know, I write horror, but I can't handle the news because that's too scary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I've stopped just watching the news. Yeah. Yeah. But Other people will tell me about it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, that happened. I'm, that I, sounds I terrible. Just, I'm I glad I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> with, you know, the pandemic going on or stu- war stuff, like things that happen over in Afghanistan. I'm like, really? Yeah. I didn't know about that. And yeah. You know, it's like, because I just can't handle it. It's it's yeah. insane. And that's a that's that's a good thing about horror, I think, too, is, is um, you know, People kind of talk about horror, some people do, as a bad thing. Yeah. That it's uber violent and there's boobs and blood and stuff. Because that's, but what they're going off of really is the horror poster. Yeah. Because that's what you see in the movie theater. You see that picture and they're trying to convey a feel right there and get you to buy a ticket. Yeah. But in reality, the best horror is, for my money, it's the most valuable resource in fiction because it talks about monsters as if they're real. Mm-hmm. And, ultimately good horror at the end of it the reader should feel like a survivor not like somebody who who made it but like somebody who is stronger and who got through yeah and now can conquer other things and at the end of it even if everybody dies at the end of a horror novel the reader 
closes the book and they survived. They yeah. made it through. And so I think it's a good exercise. And, and I noticed that a lot of people who have mental issues, that is who have depression or who have bipolar mm-hmm. or whatever are drawn to horror. And I think part of it is it helps them set up a framework for coping, which is a super valuable thing for all of us nowadays. Yeah. No, look at that. Horror, your coping mechanism for life. There you go. Uh, no, I, that's kind of that's, that's a good way to, t- to frame it. I've never kind of looked at it that way. Uh, someone that has anxiety and PTSD myself, you know, uh, that you, you kind of go through that emotional roller coaster in these types yeah. of books. You know, you have your highs and your lows. And at the end, like I said, even if everyone dies, you survived because you're still alive. Yep. Uh, I've never seen it in that light, so that's actually a really good point. <laughs> that was my wise thing for the day. That is the wise <laughs> thing. Look at that. You have survived the horror story. Yeah. Or even a movie, for for, for that yeah. matter. Yeah, you walk out, you know something, and it's given you... We keep almost getting run over by celebrities. It's Yeah, it was awesome. really cool. We almost got ran over by Mr. Feeney and, you know, the, the cast of Boy Meets World and, you know, uh, Will... I can't remember Will's last name, but he was the voice of... Uh, bat from Batman Beyond. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is as close as we get to fame. Yay! We're <laughs> nearly getting hit and run <laughs> over by celebrities, but they're nice about it, though. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the closest I'll ever get to the voice of Kit. That was pretty cool. Yes, I yes. really liked Kit. Oh my gosh, man, I I still love that car. Plus, I almost like I almost crapped my pants when I found out that was John Adams too in 1776 the musical oh yeah which was one that my parents loved and I love it too because of that but like the moment I found out John Adams was Kit I was yeah that had some serious mental repercussions for an eight-year-old boy or whatever I was yeah you know uh, I don't know if you ever saw the 2008 remake of Knight Rider where there was kind of a continuation I'm sorry Val Kilmer is the voice of the new no thank you car just didn't it's not do the it same. for me. Let alone the. It was a Mustang. <laughs> Why a Mustang? Because <laughs> Ford paid. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you know, not only that, he had this because of the nanotechnology. He could change the shape of the car. Yeah. Like he changed into a van. Well, that you know, vans that, are cool. Uh, and then he That's changed what I tell myself driving truck. around in my van. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just. Tr- I, it was so confusing. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. There's only so much mass in a Mustang. And to convert oh, you were really taking this apart, man. Or, or to a truck? Come on. It's just, yeah. it makes no sense. Like, you're yeah. okay with the actual fact of the changing. It's just the mass levels well, that they, you're they, having they a problem They sort of with. came up with a decent <laughs> way. It was nanotechnology, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, you know, and then, of course, you know, they bring back the evil car, mm-hmm. car, and it's yep. voiced by Peter Cullen, and all I heard was Optimus Prime. Dude. Yeah, because it and sounded Optimus way too Prime much like can't Optimus be a Prime. bad guy. And yeah, that's exactly how yeah, it was. That's like, super upsetting. Man, it's like actually like playing Fortnite, which I like to do. Yeah. And this this season, uh, one of the unlockable characters is Superman, and I was like, yeah. I'm getting that. Yes. And I got it, and now I'm running around as Superman, gunning people down, and I turned it off <laughs> immediately. It was so <laughs> off-putting because Superman doesn't, doesn't kill. kill people, let alone with. Automatic rifles, like I'm like I'm gonna snipe somebody as Superman. I, it was so, so cognitive so, dissonance. It was so, terrible. So basically, you're running around as a dude in Superman pajamas. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Some lunatic cosplayer yes. who just lost it. Yeah. But even that's uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't. And and they have hurt Superman so much recently. He's such a sad sack oh douchebag in all gosh. the movies now. I know. I tell people the best 
the only good Superman movies they've made since Christopher Reeve are the Captain America movies. <laughs> because that's Superman. That's who Superman really is, yeah. is that good Boy Scout with superpowers. I love the the uh, DC animated films they do. So good. Those are where we really see a good Superman, but you're Seriously. right. The, the, the DC films are just kind of... They're eh. crappy, and I... Like, you could shot for shot some of their animated films and make a bitchin' movie, and oh, yeah. I don't know why they don't. I don't know. If either. I was DC, I'd be like, guys, we're not doing well. Hire one of the animated movie directors and yeah. just have him shoot that movie. Yeah. Because, and, and by the way, keep Zack Snyder away. Yeah. Everything is slow motion and gritty and sad. Yeah. And, and I think Zack Snyder is really talented, mm -hmm. but I think he has done his best work at his lowest fame, which means most likely he had somebody looking over his shoulder and forcing him to make better choices gotcha. than his first impulse. And that's a real, that is a danger of becoming successful. I, I mean, the sad thing is, is I, I do like the Snyder cut better than the Whedon cut that we got for Justice Oh, for League. sure. I mean, it's so much better. For sure, but, but you can't uh, watch a four-hour movie in the theaters. No, no, you can't. They, they did it in the 1950s. They yeah. just do an intermission, but yeah. you can't do that now. Yeah, no. No, you can't, but that's okay. <laughs> so we have this, so we're going to, let's loop back. So we have this crazy setting for this book, this really dark, scary, I mean, if, if you're a kid, it's probably, well, this might happen to me. Parents are going to be like, whoa, uh, I don't yeah. know if I can read this type of thing. Yeah. Um, but where did the kind of the inspiration for this story come from? That is hard to explain without revealing kind of the, okay, well the then, big twist. And um, we just won't explain it. So one of the things, uh, I'll give it in vague terms. One of the things that horror does really well is mm -hmm. talk about societal problems. Yeah. And it has a long history of that. And it's really unfortunate that you'll have a drama like Crash. Yeah sweep at the Oscars for saying really kind of low-hanging fruit, basic fortune cookie level philosophy. And then you have stuff that's much deeper, like even the most recent Candyman, which I really liked, and yeah. it talks about race and stuff. Um, and horror just gets no respect. So typically when I'm doing a horror story, the first thing I want is a fun, exciting, scary story. Um, but then I would like a theme that's thought-provoking. Yeah. My, I kind of think of the story as the bricks in a wall and the theme is the mortar that holds it up and makes it stand. A problem that some filmmakers or some authors get into is they want to preach at you and so their whole wall is mortar and they put a piece of story here and there to kind of fool you into thinking you're reading a story when yeah. they're really just preaching. Um, but in Malignant, I was researching something and it was so devastating just finding out some things um, and it, it deals with the pornography trade mm -hmm. and finding out some of the things that go into that business, uh, if you can call it that. And it, I had kind of this germ of an idea for something happening at a high school, and it was less an idea than just kind of like an image. Yeah. And that happened at the same time I was researching this other thing, and they just kind of grew together, and, and I thought of a person going in and taking over a high school as a moment that he's less interested in taking over the high school than in making sure the world thinks about something important. Wow. So it's, it's and, it, and it, pornography is definitely like that because it's in everybody's house, it's on everybody's phone, whether we want it or not, and we don't even think about it, but there's repercussions to that societal choice. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where the book came from. Okay. 
So, we got that. What's next? I mean, beyond that, because clearly there's some ideas bubbling around up in your head. Yeah, I've got a couple projects. I have a, a YA thing, really interesting, actually, that I've been hired to write based off of a screenplay. Wow. Um, uh, they are really trying to make it into a movie, and they're thinking, like, we want a successful author to write a book version as kind of, like, helping to push that. So I'll be doing that at some point in the next year. And also... I wrote a screenplay called Barricade that was made into a movie. And the movie, the screenplay was awesome. Like, I had grown men and women who were producers in Hollywood calling and saying, I had to spend the night at my parents' house because the screenplay scared me so bad. That is awesome. Those are like 40-year-old people, right? Yeah. And, um, and they took this awesome screenplay and they made it into kind of a mediocre movie. And, and that's not to knock anybody involved because it's kind of a miracle. If you look at... If you look at the credits list of any movie, yeah. every single one of those people can mess up the movie. Yeah. So for any movie to come out that's just amazing, that's a miracle. Yeah. Um, so I don't bear any ill will, and they kind of told me some of the stuff that happened behind the scenes, and it was pretty rough. Um, but it was not my movie, Yeah. Um, which I'm fine with. Again, they paid me so they can do whatever they want with. But I'm going to be writing my novel version of, of the screenplay I first wrote. Oh, okay. Um, so because the screenplay that you wrote and what was on the film was probably very different, very different because they if go through rewrites well, and everything else. One of the first things that they, that we had a meeting and the guy's like, is this how it ends? And I said, yeah. And he basically said, unacceptable. Yeah. You know, we can't end it like that. American audiences won't let that happen. Yeah. Um, I think he was incorrect. I think it would have made a better movie, but that's his choice. Yeah. And they're the ones putting up the move, the money. Yeah. So they get to make that decision. And again, cool. Um, I'm there as a storyteller to kind of say, here's what I think, but they get the veto vote. Um, but I do, as a book writer, I'm going to write the book, nice. and I have the rights to it, and and uh, so that's going to be a thing. And then I'm going to write, I have a series called The Stranger Series, and I'm going to write the fourth book in that series, nice. which is, they're all standalone, so you can pick up any of them, but it's about a guy who's deeply insane, homicidal, um, aggressively homicidal, and has a mission to teach people the error of their ways. So he is, he's, it's kind of a, if Batman was fully crazy, yeah. um, delusional, everything, and instead of finding villains, for, you know, instead of the good guy finding villains, it's a horrible person finding the most horrible people. Wow. Um, and that's, that's had a lot of success, and people really like them. The main character's name is Legion because mm. um, he has a lot of different versions of himself floating around in his head. So That's it, cool. it, it's pretty fun. That is cool. All right. Well, folks, it, it's, it's been great. We've uh, almost been ran over multiple times. Super fun. Uh, we've been hi almost hit by garbage bins. Um that's that's what happens when you're at a convention mm -hmm. sitting in a hallway um, <laughs> because we don't want to be ran over by hordes of people, uh, which would have been its own horror story in itself. So where can people go find your stuff? Easiest way to find me is to just type my first name, which is Michael Brent. It's yep. all one word. Um, if you if you Google that, you're going to get my website, my Amazon page, and all that good stuff. Or you can go to Amazon and find me there. I'm on Facebook. I'm everywhere. I'm just like Google my first name or you can go to my website which is writteninsomnia.com written insomnia stories that keep you up all night so nice easy to find and I will testify that his these stories will keep you up if, or you will at least have to turn on every light as you move through your own house which you know is locked up and protected that's the dream uh, I've, I've, I've done it myself <laughs> um, and maybe one day you will have your own gold baby that will 
show up on your mantle. If you're lucky. Yes. So <laughs> with that said, uh, you know, thanks again. It's always a pleasure, and we'll chat soon. Thanks, Dan. Remember, the Force will be with you always.